1: Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real life stories from individuals who have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another edition of Refuge Freedom Stories, and I'm so pleased to welcome a gentleman from the great state of Texas who is a kingdom-minded entrepreneur. Tom and his wife, he's a Christian who has found his purpose and succeeding in their God-given assignments. Tom and his wife, Katie, are both certified life coaches. And Tom spent some time in the financial sector and found out, hey, I'm supposed to be doing something else, and that's what he's doing today. So Tom Herman is our guest. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Story. So pleased to have you here tonight.
2: Thank you, Sean. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: I always like to start off by asking people about their faith journey. We all have different journeys at different walks in life. Some people who are listening tonight may wonder who this God is we're talking about. Let's talk a little bit about your journey of faith, and I'm sure it's like mine and many others may have taken some circles, uh, some detours, and maybe a two-by-four upside the head from God to say, hey, I want you this way. Let's talk a little bit about that to start off.
2: Yeah. I'm the youngest of three kids. I grew up in a Christian home in the sense that my parents became believers shortly after I was born. I don't know how old I was, maybe two or three years old. Definitely was blessed in the fact that had two parents who were in themselves just wanting to figure out what it meant to be believers and to pursue God and raise a family in that way. I have four boys of my own. It's enough just managing the kids, let alone trying to figure out how to live a transformed life and operate in the kingdom. So I'm blessed to have come from that family. Yet I'd say a side effect of that is my dad would always say in his words, I knew the cesspool that I came from. He knew what life was like without Jesus. I didn't really know that. To me, my relationship with God was so much head knowledge. When my dad asks me this question, this is what I say. This is the right answer. And he knew that that was the case at times, but he was pretty diligent in just testing us, asking us certain questions to see had it traveled the 12 to 18 inches from our brain down to our heart me and my two older siblings. I remember a time I was maybe 8th grade, maybe even as young as 7th grade and my dad was telling me God has no grandchildren. And I knew exactly what he meant by that. Just because he's a believer, yes. and I'm my dad's son doesn't mean that I get in. And I would say I was saved at the time but no, I'm God's son. I'm God's child. That was one shift for me around that time frame of like, oh, what does it look like to walk as a son of God as opposed to just being a son of my mom and dad who were believers. And so I was still working that out through high school. And then when I got into college is really where my relationship with God became my own. Played basketball in college, and I was dating a girl from high school at the time. We had different schools, and it was just hard relationship just to make it work long distance. And I just felt like the spirit was prompting me to end the relationship. And I fought God over about it for about maybe two months or so. We were driving back from Mississippi from a road trip. I was on the bus. It was around Thanksgiving time. I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that I needed to uh, be obedient and break up with her. So I did. I followed through on that. Where I found myself was very lonely. My freshman year of college, I was away from my family. I'd spent most of my weekends traveling to see her. And so now when that relationship being off, wow, the reality set in. I don't really have friends here. And I'm super lonely here at college, away from, like I said, my friends From high school, my family, I kind of just had this mentality, God, I know your word says that when I seek you, that you'll be found, that I can find you. I need you to show up right now. I need you to follow through on that promise. And it was kind of like, I'm going to test it out. He did. And I just fell in love with his word. I was just reading his word a lot and just grew a ton in my relationship with God. That was the moment that year was where I shifted from being a cynical believer of I'm saying the right Christian sayings. But I had this thought of like, how can anyone really love God that you can't see? People are just saying this because that's the right thing you say as a Christian. To being someone that's like, man, I just love the Lord. I had this shift and I could tell that there was a heart change, a heart shift. Had I died before that, I believe and I'm confident that I would have gone to heaven. But there was a, a relationship shift that happened that year. I want to do whatever God has in store for me. Um, because he just felt so real. It felt more than just a quote-unquote religion. No, I do feel like I'm being led here and that he has a big plan for my my life and that he wants to use me. And so since then, I met my wife at college and my wife Kate and I have been married for 12 years now. Like I said, we've got four boys, eight and under. We're just really pursuing what it is that God has for us and the assignments that he has for us and what that looks like and trusting in him as our source versus the resources that we have here on earth as our source
1: you were trusting in God, you started a career in the financial sector, and then you felt that tug from God. I love in the bio where it says, you want to help your clients discover the truth of who they are, and to live according to God's word. And that is a major, major thing for many people, because a lot of us are stuck with that. What are we here for? And what are we doing? Let's let's break that down a little bit. How do you help your clients in that sense, learning not just God's word, but to discover who they are? Because we live in a very broken world with a lot of people with a lot of hurts.
2: That's a great question. It really comes down to our belief systems. When I say belief systems, it's more than just, do you believe who God says he is? A belief gets shaped by an experience that we have and a meaning that we assign to that experience. Mm -hmm. For example, if the first time I meet a dog, it's super kind, one lets me pet it, gives me licks, that experience, the meaning of that means that dogs are kind and they're nice and they're fun and I want to pet dogs. I want to be around dogs. However, the first time I meet a dog, it bites my hand. My brain is going to say, okay, that experience was bad. Dogs are mean, they're evil. Stay away from dogs or else they'll, bite your hand and you'll feel this pain. Take that experience and the meaning that your brain gives that experience and the exact same circumstance can happen in someone's life. A dog could be walking towards someone and one person who has the belief that dogs are good and they're kind is going to kneel down and want to pet the dog. The other person is going to have a belief that dogs are bad and I need to stay away. They're going to raise their leg and potentially kick the dog if it tries to bite them. We have these belief systems that get either handed to us from our parents or from somebody else, Mm -hmm. or they're just experiences that we have that we give it a specific meaning. When you look at it that way, whatever's happening around us, 98% of the time is pretty neutral. But the drama we're experiencing is everything that we bring to it from the beliefs that we have. Helping people discover the truth of who they are when people struggle with feeling unworthy or inadequate or struggling with perfectionism. A lot of that is taught from authority figure or parent, like you're not good enough. You have to do this without even realizing it. Those become beliefs that we hold that we're now trying to make decisions out of. And so as a coach, helping someone discover the truth of who they are, we kind of just break that down. Okay, well, what is the belief? Where did you learn that? And is that even based in truth? And that's where we get to align it with the word of God. If you're feeling unworthy, inadequate, what does the truth of the word of God say? Like, does he say that? I know that he sent his one and only son something pretty valuable. To ransom your life he created the monetary value of exchange he wouldn't give something of so higher value in exchange for something of so lesser value the fact that he gave his one only son to me says that no you are extraordinarily valuable the fact that he says in his word that as a shepherd he'd leave a flock of 99 to go find the one you are valuable when the enemy has programmed people created these thoughts in their minds to kind of create erroneous belief systems that then they make decisions out of that don't create good results but we need to uncover those and kind of break through and align it with the truth of the word of God to help you know this is who God says that you are. And when you operate out of that truth, here's what can happen.
3: Mm.
1: I've worked with people for the last 20 plus years in recovery circles, I'm actually close up to 25 years. And one of the things is the shame-guilt cycle uh, many people live with. And I think it's the negative cycle that you talk about that leaves many Christians feeling I'm not good enough. I know from my experience, has it been yours as well, that a lot of people feel they're not a good enough for God. And they feel that he just doesn't want anything to do with me.
2: What I found when coaching my clients is it's really this idea of religion that comes in and creates a lot of shame, guilt, this level of perfectionism So what happens is when we feel those feelings of shame or guilt, instead of actually addressing what needs to be addressed, we cover it up. And to me, it's, it's just religion. One way that I've described religion is religion allows you to not be okay with other people and allows you to still be okay with God. If I check all my boxes, I'm okay with God, but I can be angry and resentful at this person. And Jesus came and said, no, you'll be known by how you love. You'll be known by your fruit. He set a new standard. We can't be right vertically with God if we're not right with other people. And so these religious mindsets and perfectionisms and you know shame and guilt come in. And, and what I've found to be interesting is the root word for religion, I think is pronounced like "religare" in Latin. And it actually means to bind. Is this thought binding me up where Jesus said, no, I came to give you life. I came to set you free. The truth will make you free. But if I'm feeling bound up by something, there may be a good chance that I'm not actually applying the truth to it. Because if I believe God's word, the truth will make me free. I don't know if that answers your question. I do see that a lot in believers where it, to me, it leads back to the source of religion and religious type thinking that God is separate standard where it's, it's not about religion.
1: It leads me into the next question. It's something that you've seen a lot in working with your clients. And that is the self-sabotage cycle, the habitual situation. I can speak to it to myself. I know my own journey. When things were going good, it's, it's just like I had that big Staples easy button. That was easy. And I mm-hmm. pressed that big red button and I'd sabotage my life. How do we deal with that and then try to break that mold? Because that's a learned habit
2: those belief systems that we've talked about, the programming on your computer that you don't see is running in the background, right? It's these subconscious thoughts that are these subconscious programming that creates self-sabotage because your brain will always resort to the highest value that you hold. For example, here's another religious thought and being in the financial world. I've seen this a lot. If a believer believes that money is bad and sales are bad, regardless of how much they convince themselves, a commission sales role is great for their family their brain will always self-sabotage them in getting the results that they want because ultimately the higher belief, the higher value is that you no know, sales are bad, money is bad. And so you'll subconsciously sabotage yourself, whether it not be making the contacts, whether it be actually making the money and giving it away. I've seen that before where people do succeed in making sales, but then they give it away because they think the money is bad. Just using that as one simple example is self-sabotage comes from a belief that is there that maybe we don't even realize is there. And I'll give an example. It's money related. I remember my parents took us on a short weekend trip when I was growing up to go watch a baseball game. We stayed at a hotel. I remember walking up to the ballpark, asking my parents about something. I don't even know what I asked them. And they said something about uh, the budget. And I was like, okay, well, what's a budget? And once again, I don't even know what they said about a budget. I just remember thinking, okay, well, money must be hard to make and it must be scarce or else why would you need a budget? That became a new belief. That became a new filter at which I looked through life with. Ever since I came out of college, my belief system was that money is scarce and it's hard to make. I was one of those person who I was a financial advisor and was on sales. And I really struggled in that role because if I'm here to serve people. I'm not here to try to sell people. And I went to different things. Money just always seemed to be hard. And then I met one of my friends who's now a business partner in another business. His life was the exact opposite. He had a thought and he had a belief that money is easy to make you can just make more and he, he did and he was really good at making money and it had no hold on him i'm struggling to make money he turns on his computer and makes money and he's not that much smarter than me i was sabotaging myself No, you know it had to be this way if i'm going to do this right it had to fit in my belief systems the higher value is always winning out for me there were some deep-rooted things once i uncover them i get to decide if that is how i want to operate and then even just realizing oh If I do have a successful business and have those resources, what does that become possible for the kingdom of God? I saw this in my friend who was using his businesses to make an impact on the kingdom, kind of a different paradigm shift.
1: That was a great shift for you and your life because you and Katie are are both life coaches, uh, founders of Attractively Different Coaching. Tom Herman is our guest on Refuge Freedom Stories. Tom, I love how you marry the word of God because a lot of times people don't go to the Bible first for everyday situations. The Bible is full of great insight on how we could live our life. How did you come up with this idea of marrying the Bible with it? Was this part of that journey when you were leaving the financial sector and God saying, Tom, this is what I want you to do. Let's unpack that a little bit for the listener.
2: I was in financial services for 10 plus years, really just kind of struggled feeling like, what is my purpose here? Going back to beliefs, my dad was a conservative father. He was an engineer and he needed to just take care of his family and however that was necessary. He didn't talk much about his job. It was just kind of a necessary evil to provide for your family. And as a man, like this is what you need to do. I held that thought. I held that belief. And about eight years into my career, do I really have 40 years of this? What was hitting me hard is the verse in John ten ten. 10, I came to give you life and life into the fuller, life more abundantly. If that's true, this doesn't feel full to me. This doesn't feel overflowing. Sure, my family was provided for. The company I worked for had great benefits, but I was missing time with my kids. There were a lot of things that I just felt stuck in this survivalist mentality, kind of kicking through the idea. What does it mean for Jesus to have given me life and life into the full? I had the thought, that's got to be more than just eternal life. And even just processing the Bible, do I even need the Bible when I get to heaven? Are these instructions for, for here on earth? The things that he's teaching here, like this is to be applied here. I'm suffering until heaven. That's my reward, the sweet by and by. Could it be possible that God created me for a bigger purpose more than just surviving? So I started praying through it. What is my purpose? What are the giftings that he's given me? And I just got really curious on a lot of things. One thing I started to do was when someone would compliment me on a gift or something that I did, that I kind of thought, I was like, why are they complimenting me on that? I started to realize, oh, I should write those down because those are probably clues. To natural giftings that I have. And a lot of it was wisdom. A lot of it was giving perspective and helping people see things through a different way. Those were common threads. And then I took that to the next level and, okay, well, I want to have the lens that I look through life and just have a personal mission statement. Something that I can filter all my decisions through. Hey, does this decision align with where I feel like God is leading me? Like, what is my quote unquote purpose? Mm -hmm. This needs to be super applicable, like something that I can apply every day, every moment. And I finally got down to, I want to help people overcome fear and confusion to live rich, purposeful lives that are attractively different. I seem to have a gifting to help people overcome their fear and confusion, kind of help inspire them to make a decision and kingdom minded people live lives that are different, but attractive. That should be like a characteristic of the spirit. I want that life I want what that person has. I want that peace that they have that's different because I'd seen some believers. I'm glad that works for you. <laughs> I'm glad Christianity works for you. And to me, it was, that's not what I see in the book of acts. I see people willing to die for this because they were so compelled to be part of this community. They are so compelled by the transformation being attractively different using that as a filter. That was two or three years before my wife ever got into coaching. And my wife got into it first. And I started to sit back and looking like what she was doing with her clients. My word, that is almost, the exact definition of my personal mission statement, (laughs) almost to a T, like she's helping people overcome fear and confusion to live rich, purposeful lives that are attractively different. That was kind of where it started was just even in financial service, if I'm really holding God at the the truth of his word, does he say what he's meaning to me, what he says that he's given me life and life in the full? Does that mean that my unfulfillment here, which I don't want to say I was ungrateful because I think some believers feel like when they have that stirring that they see it as ingratitude and they just say, I need to be more grateful. I need to be more grateful. But it was just really kind of being curious, like, what if God put these desires inside of me? Because that's almost a guide. That's almost a a light into the path that he wants me to go and the assignment that he has for me to make the kingdom impact that he wants me to make. So in that journey, all the decisions haven't been easy, but I think that's always been my guide or my, my filter of, hey, this is the burning passion that God put inside of me. This is what I want my life to be defined as, this personal mission statement. So doing this type of work completely aligns with it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with it and, and keep moving forward.
1: So we got a couple of minutes left, Tom. It's been great chatting with you. For somebody who's tuning in saying, ah saying, this, this sounds great. What is a key that you would hope the listener takes away from our conversation and apply to their life to start living that life more abundant?
2: I would say Romans 12.2 talks about taking every thought captive. The power of your thoughts, everything that flows from those, it's really a cycle because our belief systems create our thoughts. And our thoughts create a certain feeling, like a thought that money is hard to make creates a feeling that is like a pit in my stomach, versus the thought that my friend had that money's easy to make, I can just go make more, create a feeling of excitement and empowerment. Our beliefs lead to our thoughts, our thoughts lead to feelings, and our feelings lead to our actions. The only time we ever do anything is because we feel like it, or we are trying to avoid some pain. And our actions are what create our results, and our results actually confirm and verify the beliefs that we hold. This cycle, when Romans 12 says to take every thought captive, and the Bible talks about renewing our mind, it's being able to look through and be like, okay, what is this religious programming? What are the thoughts that the enemy has, has put in, has got me to believe that? that I am not worthy or that I don't have anything to say, or that my life doesn't have a purpose. All these things are creating the results that you have in your life that are then verifying the belief that you hold. So you you kind of get stuck in this story that we can't get out of. It's like this loop. So I would want them to take away that you can, you can break that story and that, that God does have a, a bigger purpose for you. He's gifted you with skills, abilities, and I firmly believe that desires that you have are a way that God wants to express himself into the world. And if we don't fulfill those desires through the way he wants us to, the world could be missing out on an expression of God that he wants to get out there. But it's a we're like co-laboring. He's not just going to do it through us. We have to partner with him. So just really emphasize the thoughts that you're holding. A lot of them may be beliefs that were handed to you. We weren't born with any beliefs. <laughs> When my kids are born, they weren't born with any belief. They've all been given to us, or we've, we've adopted them, if by someone that we like, we can change them. We have the Word of God as our standard to align our thoughts to that, because that's how God thinks. that's how He operates. He's given us His word to align it. When you do that, that's where transformation does occur through the renewing of the mind.
1: Tom, it's been an absolutely a pleasure to talk to you, Tom. Herman is the co-founder of Attractively Different Coaching. Tom, thank you very much. For those who uh, may want to find out more information about you, how can they go about to checking you out?
2: I have an Instagram profile called Tom Herman Coach. Herman is with two N's. Or they could go to attractivelydifferent.com. There's an opportunity to book a free call with me. I'd love to connect with you there. And if you have any questions about what I do or even just saying, hey, I heard you here, I'd love to just connect further. And I'd be happy to make myself available and connect that way and either just get to know you or like I said, if you want to learn more, happy to to provide that as well.
1: Well, Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure. As I said, thank you very much for giving us your time for joining us here on Refuge Freedom Stories.
2: My pleasure. It was blessed.
1: What an absolutely great guest, Tom. Herman. We had a fabulous time. I hope you enjoyed listening to it, and I hope you continue to listen, whether you're listening at the radio station or whether or not you're listening on our podcast. We really appreciate each and every one of you who take your time to download the show, and we certainly love bringing you guests like Tom and many others along the way. I'm Sean McKenzie. Thank you one and all for listening, and have a blessed week.
3: It's so tempting to me to, to wash all this pain away or to- Behind an unconvincing smile, where silently you would feed angry, bitter things that poison my dreams, leaving me in so much pain. I've just got one life to live, I won't waste it away. Wishing for what I think I want. I've just got. All work out, when my questions are met with an apathetic gaze, like a song won't resolve or a book without the final page. Are you any less real? Any less real to me? Then I just got one night to live.